Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It is really great to have you here. On this week's episode, I welcome back my friend and fellow Substacker Kevin Alexander for a breakdown of his top 10 albums of 2023. We discover some new treasures, look at some emerging bands, and enjoy a couple of new classics from beloved veterans. Let's get into it. Everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really wonderful to have you here. Uh, I've got a really great show this week. My friend Kevin Alexander from the Substack On Repeat is here to share his 10 best records of the year. Uh, so we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we do that, let me give you some highlights from the week over at What Am I Making in written form, some stuff that we've got going on, and a couple of things going on in my life, just that kind of thing, and, uh, and then we'll get to Kevin. So uh, just a quick little intro like we usually do. Uh, again, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for pressing play. It's a, it's a privilege to have you here. Uh, as I record this, Spielberg voting is wrapping up. By the time you actually hear this, on Monday, December the 18th, uh, it will be over. We will have officially crowned a winner. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Jaws, but did you vote? Do you have thoughts? Uh, the way that I have to record this, that the the pod needs to drop basically the same second. <laughs> that uh, anyway, um, I need to record this ahead of time, basically. Uh, so, do you have thoughts? What did you think of the process? Would you like to do this again? Would you like to do this with? A genre of film or another director or an actor or uh, maybe a decade. Uh, I'm really curious about this. This was really fun. It was really um, interactive and it was it was a great way for us to grow the community. Um, I'd, I'd like to do more of this, but I'd, I'd really like some input and some some thoughts from you guys. So, so please let me know what you thought of the process and um, whether or not your favorite film came out on top. So go on over to whatamimaking.substack.com and uh, take a look at the Steven Spielberg Bracket Challenge. You can look at all of the posts. You can go back and see all of the results. And um, make sure you take a look at everything. It's been a really fun process, and it's been a really great experience. And uh, thank you so much for playing along. Uh, did you guys remember that I have a radio show every Friday at noon Eastern, as my friend Pete Dominic says, the only time zone that matters. Uh, I have a show over at uh, suburbsradio.com. It's part of the Rockin' the Suburbs podcast and radio network. Uh, my dear friends over there, Jim Lenahan and Patrick Foster, run an amazing podcast called Rockin' the Suburbs. If you're not already subscribed to that, you should be. Go over there and listen to them and tell them Maddie C. from WAIM sent you. And uh, my dear friend, also Keith uh, Jacobson, who is the uh, suburbs radio guru who kind of walked me through the process of learning how to start my own radio show and how to get him uh, formatted episodes every week. So anyway, these these episodes go up every Friday at noon, and I do two different posts every week that are related to those radio shows that directly tie back into the work that I'm doing at the Substack. So early in the week, um, I will ask a question usually on a Tuesday and I will say, hey, what's your favorite song from Scotland or what's your favorite Canadian tune or what's your favorite song about uh, immigrants coming to America, which was a recent one. 
and it will give you the opportunity to go, hey, I really like this song. Like, I don't remember if it was Colors or or uh, the one about time, but like one of them I had 15 or 20 comments in a matter of like an hour, which is unheard of for, for my, my Substack. And so it was really great to see that kind of uh, interaction and it's been really fun and it's actually, uh, it's really it's really great to see who can kind of guess what I'm gonna play and where my loves and inclinations and sort of thought processes and putting these shows together kind of overlaps with you guys. And then the the second thing is that I also put up archived episodes the week after they've aired. So they air on Friday at noon and then usually the middle to the end of the, the week after on Wednesday or Thursday, I will post a, a link to the week's prior episode along with a track list and just a little summation of what I did and why I did it. And uh, they're real quick posts. They're, they just take a couple minutes to read. Um, I know I inundate you with stuff every day, and I try to make some of this stuff relatively easily digestible so that you can, you know, sort of absorb it in five minutes and move on with your day. So, uh, you know, make sure that you're checking those out. You know, when you go to the gym or maybe you're on a car ride or maybe you're doing some menial work or you're doing chores around the house or something – Throw one of these episodes on and see what you think. You might discover some music you haven't heard. You also might hear something you haven't heard in a really long time. So it's a great way to discover stuff or rediscover stuff. And it's a really fun way to kind of think about what songs spark uh, in your mind based on a particular idea or theme. Um, So make sure you're getting involved and you're letting me know what you think and... uh, you know what what suggestions you might have or what comments you have and make sure you're keeping uh, track of those posts and you're you're getting involved like share and comment again the more you interact with this stuff the more we can grow our audience and that is hugely hugely important so make sure you're submitting your favorite songs on the theme for each week when i send out these calls uh i've got news if you don't know already uh, uh the shedio hits the road in june and i need some hosts i am going to be out on the road for virtually all of June 2024, I will be in the eastern half of the U.S. I'm going to something like 21 or 22 states or something. I'm planning to play all over the place. I've got about, roughly speaking, at least half of my dates that I still need hosts for. So go to whatamimaking.substack.com and you can see an article that I posted uh, just recently over the weekend that I posted about uh, the dates that I'll be out, where I will be, and how you become a host. It's really fun. There's Actually, I'm really kind of proud of it. There's a really, really cool little graphic that I made that is based on old like shop calendars that brands would give away where it had one month at a time and then it was stapled you know, to the, to the calendar and you would just tear off one month at a time, but it would give you an idea. And so that I, I sort of ran with that sort of vintage idea and um, – to tie in with with the Shedio Hits the Road uh, uh, tour announcement and needing hosts, I also wanted to let you know that I've got a new postcard program that I unveiled last week, and that is uh, an opportunity for you to support my tour effort by buying a postcard that I will then send to you from the road. So in essence, you say, hey, Maddie, here's a little scratch for gas or food or uh, maybe one night of sleep on the road if you have to get a room. You know, here's a little money toward that. And in return, I will make a stop along the way, and I will 
Pick out a postcard just for you. I'll write you a little handwritten note. I'll throw a stamp on it, put it in a mailbox. A few days later, it'll show up in your mailbox, and it'll brighten your day. It'll be there in amongst the bills and the junk, and there will be something fun waiting in your mail for you. And you will have done a good deed and helped support me and made an investment in my tour. Um, if you would be so kind as to go over to whatamimaking.substack.com, you can take a look at that article, and then you can go over to my website, which is phonophorecords.com slash postcards, and you can go over there and you can learn all about the postcard program, learn the details, and place an order for either one of them, or if you're feeling really generous and you want to have a lot of fun with this thing, I am doing five packs, which have been surprisingly popular so far. I've already sold a couple of those, and I did not expect to sell any. So, uh, that's exciting stuff, and I would really love it if you would go over there and support me. Please, 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 and thank you. Uh, Moving on, uh, I also put out an article this week called From the Cheap Seats, and the idea behind this is the sort of rising costs of live entertainment, specifically shows, live music. And what I really wanted to do was take a look at how much of what we're dealing with is greed, how much of it is ticket fees, and how much of it is maybe a replacement or a transfer of money from the idea of saying, hey, I used to pay a little bit of money for a ticket, a little bit of money for a record, and a little bit of money for a t-shirt, or maybe a, a fair amount of money for each one of those things. And now I'm not really paying for music, but I'm paying a lot more for t-shirts and I'm paying a lot more for concerts. And I wanted to kind of take a look at the numbers, at least in a couple of anecdotal examples, and kind of see how that shook out. And I was a little surprised. It didn't necessarily affect the ticket price as much as I had thought, but it did affect it. So I think my theory is in part sort of borne out, but it's not as much of a factor as I had originally thought. But I also talk about the exorbitant fees that are going on with specifically with Ticketmaster and Live Nation and the, you know, pretty much monopoly that those two corporate that that one corporation, Live Nation owns Ticketmaster, that that corporate entity holds over live music and just how expensive it is becoming. So please, if live music is important to you and it's something that you enjoy, especially if you feel like it's something that's becoming less and less affordable for you to do. I'd love for you to go over and check that article out and let me know what you what you think and whether or not you agree with it or um, you have issues or thoughts or maybe you have a different idea about why this is this is getting more expensive. If you have, if you're, you know, I had a great conversation a few weeks ago with my friend Nate DeRoe who runs um, Kickstand, which is a, a booking and promotion agency um, and live events coordinator here in Michigan. And, you know, he was talking about the absolute horrible influence of Live Nation on that entire market. And so if you have experience dealing with this firsthand, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out. You can email us at whatamimakingblog at gmail.com, or you can just go to whatamimaking.substack.com and you can uh, comment right on that article. Uh, I also put out a... uh, a special podcast presentation uh, this past Sunday, um, so eight days ago, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's called Brian Eno, the first four, and it's basically an audio presentation of the article that I had written several weeks ago about Brian Eno's first four rock records, and it clocks in right at about fifteen minutes, and it's me essentially reading the story like a transcript, and and I've edited it and added a, a number of audio clips to give you some examples and I just kind of fleshed it out a little bit and I I've gotten a little bit of 
of feedback, but I'd love to hear more positive or negative. I'd love to know what you thought. Um, it took some time to do this, and I'm interested in doing more, but I, I don't, I'm always hesitant to invest a bunch of time if it's not something that is interesting to a wide group of people, or at least a, a, a significant group of people. I don't want to be doing this for myself. I have enough to do for myself, essentially. So this is an idea that I like and I'm excited about, but I have lots of ideas that I'm excited about. So maybe help me prioritize this and help me see if this is something I should be spending my time on. I know that you're not my editor. I'm just asking for some feedback and some help. Um, I also recently posted uh, another uh, installment of 13 Films to Get to Know Me. This time, it was my sister's. I have mentioned before that we are doing this as our family movie club. And what we're doing is uh, we each select 13 films that represent us as a moviegoer. And you can interpret that however you want. So you could do um, one film from 13 genres. You could do a bunch of films from different decades. You could do films that are all comedies, films that are all musicals, films that are all documentaries. It's completely up to you. They're not supposed to say what you think are the 13 greatest films of all time. They're supposed to be a way for you to explain your relationship with cinema through 13 films. And I really liked what my sister put together. And I was really touched by what she said. And um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discussion about about family in there, of course. And and so it was, it was really gratifying to see how much my sister, even though she chose different films than I chose, sort of echoes those same sentiments. And she has different films that she has relationships with because of the relationship she has with them, with my parents, for example, or with her friends, like we all do. And this is why I think this is such a fascinating exercise. And my sister did a nice job of kind of distilling pretty succinctly and pretty accurately why she chose what she chose. And I think you can see from that what kind of not only moviegoer my sister is, but maybe what kind of person my sister is. And I think that says a lot about what our cultural choices say about us, about who we are. We inform our choices, and our choices inform us, of course. And so I would love to know, do you have an interest in being a part of this exercise? Um, I would love to to share more stories like this. I think this is a great way for us to share our love of a particular fragment of culture and art in a way that kind of distills, maybe for others, but also for ourselves, why we love what we love as moviegoers and as cinema watchers. And so if you're interested in being a part of this, reach out and let me know. You can hit me up at whatamimakingblog at gmail.com, or you can you can reach out to me through the blog, or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and all of the usual spaces. I also did put up recently a, a rather funny and uh, 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 odd uh episode of or installment rather of of the rideshare files which is i think this is the third one of these that i've done where i tell some stories from the road about my time driving for uber and lyft and this one involves um waiting forever a domestic dispute and uh avoiding the cops and there's a whole there's a whole thing to it and it's it's kind of a funny story and it's kind of a ridiculous story and it's kind of aggravating on a number of levels but uh, it definitely is a good story and worth sharing. So go on over to the blog at whatamimaking.substack.com and check that out along with all of the other things that I just mentioned. As you know, uh, this show and the work that I do here and at the blog are powered solely by your financial support. Um, 
I am currently at 456 free subscribers and 43 paid subscribers. I'm being super transparent. I don't have a huge audience. But what I do have is I have an attentive and engaged audience, and I appreciate you so very much. And what I'd really like to do is I'd like to get that 456 number to 500, and I'd like to get that 43 number to 50. Can you help me get to 500 free subscribers and 50 paid subscribers by the end of December, by December 31st? So literally two weeks after you hear this on the day that it drops, we've, we've, got, we've got two weeks. We've got, we've got 13 days exactly. Can you help me get there? Can you help us get there? 550. That would feel like a hell of an accomplishment in my first 10 months doing this and be a really nice way to mark the end of the year officially. So please share this, give it to friends, um, maybe you know suggest that they sign up for a free subscription, uh, send them a, a copy of a podcast that you particularly like or a link to an article that you think they might enjoy. Um, I know I ask a lot and and I I don't want to, but... To grow this thing, I need help, and I need us to be a community. And so I'm asking for help. So if you would share this, uh, the podcast, the blog, my radio show, whatever you are interested in, whatever you like, share it, and let's try to grow this thing one subscriber at a time, one moment at a time. Please help me make what am I making more viable. That would that would really mean the world to me, and it would it would help me to continue this work in full-throated fashion. Um, as always, you can leave us a message at speakpipe.com slash what am I making? I'll be honest, the voicemails have been a little quiet lately. And I, I know that maybe you don't have a lot to say. Oh, wait, that's total bullshit. You absolutely have a lot to say. You just don't like the phone. I get it. You can also use your tablet or your laptop and it'll treat it just like a microphone. Leave me a voicemail. I'll play it on the goddamn show. I mean, if it's actually about something, if it's just you yelling at me. Well, I still might play it if it's just you yelling at me, but it'd be better if it wasn't. Constructive criticism, totally welcome. Random yelling, less appreciated. Again, speakpipe.com slash what am I making? Leave me a message. Let me know what you want to hear. Do you have a favorite record of 2023? Send it over speakpipe. Email me at whatamimakingblog at gmail.com. I want to know your picks. Do you have a favorite film of 2023? Do you have a favorite TV show, a favorite discovery? Tell me about what you learned, what you found, what you watched, what you heard, what moved you this year. Let me know. I'd really love it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a message, and I could play some of these on the show in coming weeks. Speakpipe.com slash what am I making? Let's leave us some messages. Let's get this thing rolling again. Let's make sure we are uh, we are cooking with community. All right. I am going to shut the hell up now, and I am going to get to the reason that you are here, which is my guest, Kevin Alexander of On Repeat. I'm not going to lie. I had to lean pretty hard on my friend Kevin when it came to sharing the best music of 2023 with you. The truth is that I am not the voracious consumer of new music that I once was. There are still plenty of new bands and current albums that I enjoy, but I don't spend the time seeking them out the way that I used to. Instead of poring over blogs and rehashing a million lists from the internet contingent, I reached out directly to Kevin and asked if I could just cheat off of his homework. Thankfully, he was happy to oblige. Kevin writes about music at his terrific substack on repeat and covers everything from old classics to new releases. 
He's a rabid listener of new music and constantly seeking out the unseen corners of the universe for new artists to explore. On today's episode, we're treated to, t- to Kevin's 10 favorite albums of the year. You'll find longtime indie darlings, old school electronic, surprising new discoveries, including one with a personal twist for Kevin himself, and a terrific album from one of the best songwriters of the era. It's always a pleasure to chat with Kevin, and we found loads to talk about with his list of 10 best. He also regaled me with a comprehensive list of honorable mentions to boot, but we'll save those for a bonus episode. Thanks so much to Kevin for joining me, and thank you again for sharing his list with the kid who just didn't want to do his own research. Please be sure to go check out his full article and subscribe to On Repeat over at Substack today. Here's my conversation with my friend and On Repeat writer, Kevin Alexander. Enjoy. So, Kevin, you were kind enough to come on the show because I'm too lazy to search for new music. And That's why I'm here. And you are really great about this. And you do such a good job, not, not just about writing about music, but specifically about kind of, I think, kind of bouncing back and forth between what dudes like me do, which is to kind of write about maybe stuff that's existed for a really long time and putting it in a new context or adding a personal twist to it. And you're basically going, Hey, uh, middle-aged man, uh, living in the past, uh, music is still being made today. And you're here to tell us about, so the best of it of 2023, right? Yes. So I've got, I've got a best of, I did not, I mean, I have a list of remix and remastered picks and we can, briefly talk about those two as far as middle-aged suburban dad stuff but yeah yeah i i think um i think we'll have plenty of time to to cover to cover the the new stuff and i think that's what i should focus on because cool. every it's not like i it's not like i go oh i'm gonna try a bunch of new stuff and it sucks it's just that i don't mm-hmm. try it as much as i used to and i'm not as open about it as i used to be right so so let's just Let's just dive right in. What's the first one? So in order, uh, number 10 is uh, Drop 19's Hard Light. Okay, and I have I have heard this record. You have? Okay. Um, I have because you recommended it to me. All right. Uh, so tell me or tell our listeners a little bit, and we'll play, I'll play a couple of little clips okay. to kind of go along and give some tastes, but kind of tell the, the folks like, like what this is, where it came from, and how you found out about it. So the short version is, uh, for those that might not know, is Drop 19s were sort of an indie darling in the early 90s. Uh, they were from Boston. Most people thought they were from England. Uh, they had a really, really good shoegaze sound. Um, they, they weren't exactly well-liked in their hometown or their home scene because they, a lot of people felt like they had sort of line jumped. You know, they had a deal and were on tour before you know, they had quote unquote paid their dues or got in the van. Right. Um, and they put out um, a fantastic record called uh, Delaware um, that I personally wore out a lot of copies of. Um, and then they put out another record that was kind of okay. And then they put out one that wasn't good at all. And then they okay. disappeared for about 30 years. And, um, 
uh, all just kind of dispersed and did their own things. Uh, one of the band members, Paula Kelly, got into composing for um, cinema and shows on that side of things. And then um, they're back because their front man, Greg Ackle or Akel, um, one day just kind of out of the blues, wondered what it'd be like to do another record or what they would sound like 30 years on. Um, and so he basically came out on an Instagram post and said, hey, we're making a record. It's going to be out next January um, or whenever it was. That's going to be called Hard Light. And that's all I know. And then um, and they made this record. And, it is and it's fantastic. all it's all the original members. It is all the original members. They're all back. Uh, the one uh, the the original original drummer is not there, but the guy that is playing drums came in pretty early in the game. So basically the same people that were there in 92 and touring for um, Winona are back. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and honestly, so cool. it is, it's a, it's a really good record. Um, it feels like, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like they just went in a time machine, but it kind of does. Um it feels like they didn't take three decades off, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But not in a way where like they just picked up and did like the same thing. Right. In a, in a, uh, okay. They clearly didn't follow the same arc where like they made a great record, an okay record and a shitty record. Like they didn't go down. So what you're right. saying is they somehow got back up to where are we talking? Not quite to that first record that you love so much, but close. It's close and yeah. it's, it's a great, you know, it's a drop 19s record, but they didn't just remake Delaware is I guess what I'm trying to say. And I'm not articulating it very well, but no, that's a great way to put it. So next we have uh, Red Pants, not quite there yet. And I want to tell, I want to go on a little tangent here. Please. Um, okay. So I was on your show a couple months ago. Um, you remember, obviously, and we talked yeah. about connection and how we're using digital writing and the digital space to like make connections that were sort of broken during COVID. Yeah. Um, so with that as a backdrop, you also probably remember maybe earlier this year, maybe in the last winter or even in the spring when Substack came out with that update and you could see everywhere in the world, all your readers are from. Yeah. Remember that? And it was a big deal and everyone was like, wow, I have a reader of Botswana or, you know, shout out to my guy in Finland or whatever. Right. Um, and so it was awesome. Like you could see all these places and, and I, it turned out um, I had some people in New Zealand, which is bonkers. So anyway, so all of us, of course, are all enamored with that. 
And I met my son's um, soccer practice one night in this indoor gym, this hundred year old school here in Madison. Um, and I'm just sitting, you know, up on the bleachers, kind of just on my phone. And I get this, I get pinged by this guy and he's like, and I just written a feature that talked about a radio show here called Red Planet. And uh, it's on WSUM, the college station here. And it's awesome. And he was like, hey, I just saw, I just want to let you know that I really like that show. And um, do you still live here? And and then he immediately wrote back. He's like, oh, I guess I could have just looked at your logo. Ha ha. Because it says Madison on it. <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, and we started chatting. I'm like, it's a great show. I'm happy to meet somebody who listens to it. And we, you know, we, we're back messaging back and forth and i'm trying to dodge you know errant shots as they're flying into the stands and um and so we're talking he's like hey i'm a musician you know and you know i am in madison and i kind of live in a in a sub you know one of the suburbs um but if you cross the street you're in madison and i was like i know exactly where you live because i live in that same suburb because our little island is basically surrounded by a lake a freeway and the city proper so so come to find out, uh, we live not only in the same metro area, but we live in the same little 7,000 person suburb. And not only do we live there. So then I'm like looking at his feed, like trying to figure out, you know, and I'm recognizing all these pictures. I'm like, what the hell? Okay. And I'm like, he lives on my block. Right. So. Right. So I'm like, holy shit. Okay. So this is cool. And I'm like, so we both figure out we live in Monona. His kids were, his kids are younger. They went to the same school mine did, et cetera. And um, I'm like, Hey man, I got some stickers. Happy to drop them off. You know, like just shoot me your address. He lives 10 houses down from me. Like same it. street. <laughs> Good God. So I, Swear to God. So on the day that I find out I got a reader 9,000 miles away, here I am connecting with this dude that literally is a three-minute walk from my front door. Unreal. It was unreal and awesome. And he's a great guy. And it is Jason Lambeth of Red Pants. So Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and he made your top 10, too. He did. And we will get That's to that. Great. I'm not just saying it because he lives in my in my town. It's a fantastic record. And um, just as a sidebar, to get to his house, you have to pass another musician who I do know, um, who I'm friends with, that is more of an Americana guy. Yeah. And then on the other side of Jason, about 10 or 15 more houses down, is um, a high school band that put out an EP. So it's a pretty I'm cool block. Kevin, that's amazing. I'm thrilled to hear there are high school bands putting out music. Yeah. Because uh, this is a rarity these days. And when I was in high school, everyone had a band, even people who didn't know how to be in a band. Yes. I was in one of those bands. Yes. yes. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> what an awesome story. That's so great, man. It is. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. rad. Um, it is so cool. And he's such a nice guy. And just absurdly creative and i mean that like is the highest compliment like his like i don't i don't know how he has so much free time there i mean we're talking about music and i, I promise we'll get to the record but like yeah he does mixed media stuff art stuff drawing wow um to get to the record he did all the he did the cover art and the liner he did all the art for it um, wow 
So I'm going to have to take a deep dive on this thing for sure. Okay. Absolutely. So to say, so in the course of that whole Instagram message bonanza, he says, Hey, you know, we've got this record out. We just put it out. Can I send it to you? Yes. Um, And it was the one before this, it was called gentle centuries and it's great. It's all. And I'm like, Oh, let, you know, when someone says that, you're like, oh, man, please don't suck. Please don't suck. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And it does not. It is really, really good. Um, and I was really excited. And then they, I, there's another EP. I think this is – they have, a, like, a bunch of EPs and singles. And then I think this is the third LP. I'll have to look to double check. But, okay, you know, I wound up going and buying, like, another one. Um, and then um, they started making this. And he was like, hey, we got a new record. Um, I'm going to send you some of the, you know, you know, the tracks early. Um, they had like 20 and they kind of winnowed it down and it's, it's good. Like, wow. Um, yeah. And it's even better cause I know him, I guess, which just makes it even cooler. Uh, so a lot of, I was just having this conversation with a friend this morning. I think there are a lot of people who think, Oh, you know, a musician. So therefore you like the music more. Uh, maybe I, appreciate it more but i don't like music that i don't like just because i like somebody right right? there are lots of people that i like and i'm like listen i like you and i like your band and i like that you're doing stuff but it's not it's not my thing right right? that doesn't mean it's bad it's just not for me right but like when you meet people who you genuinely know them or they're an actual friend and they do stuff that is like jaw-droppingly good in a way, it's more impressive than if this masterpiece fell out of the sky from strangers, because this somehow feels more real. Right. To me, to me, at least. And I love it when my friends put out records that make me jealous. <laughs> they make me want to make better records. I love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, so I'm absolutely going to play the I'll play the Red Pants track for sure. does not have a long story to it is uh sea blight lemon lights i don't know this record at all what is uh, what's the story with sea blight so i wish i had a super cool backstory uh the truth yeah. is i was trying to think about this while i was writing down some notes to talk i have no idea how i came across this record i honestly okay. can't remember uh i'm gonna guess that somebody had it on twitter and i okay. saw it. Um, and, uh, and what's is, the what's the story with this band? This band is from the Bay Area, um, and if you like or liked Lush in the '90s, for sure, this is getting you know just to tie back to our old suburban dad vibe. Um, if you liked Lush, this record is for you. Like, um, it it feels like the 2023 version. Um, bright melodies, just the right amount of fuzz. Um, female fronted female fronted yeah okay uh i actually saw speaking of old man stories i saw lush and ride 
on a co-headlining tour in 1990. Fantastic. At the Latin Quarter in Detroit. It was when Lush was on tour for Gala and Ride was on tour for Nowhere. It was uh, out of control good. What a lineup. What a show. Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I saw Ride and Slow Dive when Ride were on tour for the, oh, what's, I can't remember the name of the record, the one with like the cucumber eyes and the weird painting thing. Uh, it's yes. got like Twister, Twisterellas on that yes. record. It's, um, hell's the name of that record, Kevin? We'll think of it as soon as we sign we up. Will. We will. We will. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Our listeners are screaming it into their, into their phones right now. Um, okay. So Sea Blight, uh, are there, you said they're from the Bay Area? Yep. All right. Area. And, uh, like, do they have other stuff? Did this kind of come out of nowhere? This is their sophomore record. Okay. Um, and it is much more shoegazy and poppy than their first one. Okay. And, um, you know, there's, like I said, you know, it, it's like Lush. And, you know, once in a while, Lush put out a track that would, you know, that you thought was going to melt their amps. And this one, they have a couple of those too. But oh, nice. by and large, it's not heavy. It's just. Yeah, it's very super kind of uh, ethereal and floaty and. Ethereal, yeah, floaty. Dreamy. Yeah. Yes. Real dream, dream pop. Yeah. See, I. Uh, that that definitely can scratch a certain itch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what was it? Okay, so it's Seablight. What was the name of the track again? Um, well, Seablight, the LP is Lemon Lights. Okay. And if you're going to pick one to play, I would go with, let's see. There's a couple really good ones. That, oh, All right. Oh, wow. Uh, Melancholy nice Molly is really good. Melancholy Molly? Yeah. So next is, um, so I didn't do, I wasn't going to do uh, hits or like compilations. Yeah. So this is kind of a carve out, but it's uh, Krangbin and Men I Trust okay. um, live at RBC Echo Beach. Okay. Um, which, I mean, technically is stuff they already had recorded or whatever. Um, and I found this record. I was at my favorite record store, which I write about a lot. And I was in, and obviously they play stuff in store and I was in the basement and sometimes they play stuff different upstairs and downstairs and downstairs is a little more of a free for all, which I love. So there I am. I'm in the, I'm in the basement. It's release day or new, you know, new where they put out new stuff that they've gotten. I mean, this guy are just kind of idle chit chat. Have you found anything yet? No, not yet. Whatever. And this this record comes on, and we both are we both do one of these and look up at the ceiling like, who is this? And um, 
he's like, kind of sounds like Krangbit. It's like, kind of, I think. I'm not sure. And we're both just into it. Like, it was just great. And you can tell it's a live album. There's very soft applause, but it's not like, I mean, their music doesn't lend itself to a loud show anyway, but it's very high fidelity for, I'm sure they, you know, it's really well mixed. Um, anyway, so I go to the guy in the booth, you know, that's, you know, who is this? Well, it's Crane Band and Men I Trust. Okay, awesome. He's like, I think we have some upstairs. <clears throat> All right, cool. So, of course, I don't go up there right away because I'm still rooting through the stacks and seeing what's new and on a quest for something I didn't know I needed until I found it. You know how that goes. I anyway, do. so I go up. Yeah. So I go upstairs and I go to find it. And the guy I'd been talking to had grabbed the last copy. Ugh. So, <laughs> um, which I mean, more power to them. That's awesome. And then, of course, they're like, we can special order it. And I was like, nah, I'll just get it. Uh, next time and then I haven't gotten it yet but So I've been listening to it um, online and just kind of making do, but it is good. I didn't want, I, I wasn't going to do any, like I said, any live or compilation stuff, um, but it's too good not to. Yeah. I think uh, also correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it your list? Hmm? Isn't it your list? Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. I do the same shit to myself, but uh uh, that's a band I need to spend more time with. Like I've, I've listened a little, my, my daughters are 23 and 25 and, and one of them more than the other, but they both like them. Uh, and they've, they've played some stuff for me and I dig what I've heard, but I haven't done any of my own diving. So maybe the live record's a good place to start. I, I think it would. And I'll tell you why, because the only thing I know or knew about Krangbin is their Texas moon EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only got it because I got another writer named Terry Barr. You might've seen his stuff recommended it. He was like, you should go buy this record in one of on a piece he did on medium. And so I did, and it was fantastic. Um, and that's really like, I don't know a whole lot outside of that handful of tracks. Men I trust, I might've been able to name one song maybe, um, but together it's just, it's good. It's really, it's a great record and we're checking out. And I, um, awesome. whether you know them a lot or it's on ramp to either band, I think it's, it's perfect. That's, I think that's a great, in that case, I think I, I, I doubly applaud your inclusion of it. Okay. Even though it's a live record. There's two reasons for people to, as you said, have an on ramp. All right. What's number six. Number six is the treasures of Mexico burn the jets. The treasures of Mexico. Tell me about yeah. this band. I don't know anything. So this band I found through a guy named Wally Salem that runs the beautiful music, um, who is probably one of the nicest people I've ever met online or in the industry, like always just hyping bands that he has, he has a label, 
and he obviously promotes the bands on the label, but also ones he loves. Like um, you might have seen a couple of weeks ago, I wrote about Royal Ottawa. Um, yeah, and I only found out. Okay, so I only found out about him because he wrote me and was like, "Just so you know, I don't have any interest in these guys, but they are this band that me and my brother used to go see. I love them. Gave me their whole bio and his bio and relationship with the band, and wow. go check them out. And anyway, I say that as context because that's what he does. And this was one of the records that he was talking about a lot. Um, and it's fantastic. It, um, you know, you're not supposed to judge a record by the cover, but it's got this swirling pastel kind of thing, you know, design on it. And it kind of gives you a really good idea of what you're in for. It's a, um, so is it trippy? It's kind of trippy. It's not trippy in like a psych rock way. It's All more, right. it's more trippy in the sort of, we're back. You and I are back in high school, and we're listening to Teenage Fan Club. Like, uh, if you said the magic words, okay. Yep. So, um, and there's, um, you know, it's, you know, pastels and kaleidoscopes, and there's a song called um, "Days with a Y" in that might be my favorite song of the year. It's just pure pop perfection, and there's, you know, organs that come in at the right time, and. my god i okay i i feel like i have been so excited about these first five that i sound like i'm faking it and i'm not and like <laughs> seriously the idea of there being a new version of teenage fan club existing in the world that i don't know about makes me if unspeakably you, happy if you listen to days with the y in just play it and then let me know if, how far off the mark i am or not on because it okay. really reminds me of them like um, okay at their sort at teenage fan club sort of I don't know if fastest is the right term, but it's like definitely an upbeat song. It's not a ballad or anything. Okay. Um, wow. Know, it's a little this bit. Be, and uh, so you said the, the, the band is Treasures of Mexico. And what's the name of the album? Burn the Jets. Burn the Jets. Yeah. And uh, where are they from and what's their story? Uh, I am pretty sure they are from England. And okay. honestly, I don't know much more than that. Other than Understood. every time... Every time I uh, either tweet about them or put them on a playlist, they make sure to thank me, which I think is awesome. That's amazing. Not because That's I great. want the praise, but I just think it's nice that they're, you know, seeing some guy in Wisconsin that's touting their music and are happy about it. So, uh, as a guy who makes music, uh, I I would love for someone in Wisconsin to write nice things about it. That would be great. Uh, number five. Where are we? Uh, number five a band you have heard of 
That would be the Chemical Brothers. The Chemical Brothers, I am familiar. Or that beautiful feeling. Okay. Um, <clears throat> How long has it been since there's been a Chemical Brothers record? I, I like I have not paid attention. It's been a while. Let's see. I think I wrote it down and I can't remember. Uh, this is their 10th record. I think it's been it's been a while. Okay. It's been long enough that songs like Galvanized are being used to sell Michelin tires now. So. Yes, yes, I did see that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so is this, I mean, is this kind of a, you hate to, you hate to say, well, it's just the same old, same old, but like, is it kind of a continuation stylistically or is they're, they're treading new ground? What does this sound like? I think, I think they, a little bit of both. Which okay. is such a non such a non answer, but I know. So so okay. So to let you off the hook, then it sounds like a Chemical Brothers record when you listen to it. You go, oh, that's clearly a Chemical Brothers record. It is. Um, okay. I mean, it's you know we're a long way from like Exit Planet Dust or whatever some of the first couple were. Right. Um, it feel it's you know they've got you know Beck is on here. Um, they've got some other artists featured. Um, it feels like a band that has been around for almost 30 years and not okay. because they're stale or time-worn. They know what they want. They know what they're good at. They know which corners of the envelope to push up against. <clears throat> sure. They can, you know. They're pros. They're I mean, pros. You don't, you don't want to say that in a shitty way, but, like, there is something good about, like, being a, right. a craftsman, so to speak, like you know what you know what your skill set is, as you said, you they know what they are, and they and they do that very well. Right. So this is one of the things I when I reviewed it earlier, I said that um, to your point. To be clear, this there's no mistaking this for anything but a Chemical Brothers record, but it feels like they've taken some of the best parts of their earlier records and reimagined them into new tracks and a fresh sound. Listening, I was sometimes reminded of earlier concussive dance floor fillers, like three little birdies downbeats and the transcend, transcendent vibe of No Geography. And No Geography was one that when I was uh, in rehab for my knee, I would play it a lot, like when I was trying to run again. Okay. So just check out. So like, um, yeah. So that was, I mean, you know, as sort of a, you know, when I say transcendent, I mean, just somewhere that just lets you check out for a while. Um, and I would say uh, the first half for sure is really good. And the second half is just of this record is just amazing. And it's a double LP. Um, there's a song called live again. That is just, you would feel like we were back in a club from back in the day. I mean, it's just, Oh, sure. Um, and then um, the one with Beck is called skipping like a stone. Four, which I do not have a copy of, is uh, Jason Isbell's Weather Rains. 
Oh, my wife will approve. <laughs> she is smitten both with him and with this record in particular. Uh, I, I mean, I know he's he's the NPR darling. I mean, everybody loves him. Right. You know, you know, nobody's got a bad word to say about Jason Isbell, you know, except maybe Amanda Shires. If you watch that documentary. Um, and right. uh, th- that's by the way, that, that's just a hell of a film. That's just a really interesting story of two remarkably charismatic and talented people carving out a life together. Uh, I assume you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you love it? I did. Yeah, I yeah. Uh talk to me about weather veins. What's your what's your relationship with Isbel at this point? And how do you feel about this record specifically? So this this record. So I kind of come and go. Like I liked louder and rowdier Jason Isbell. I like, you know, the I like the sort of Twitter persona he carved out for a while, um, where he was just sort of holding court on there. Um, obviously those are two different things for two different, very different reasons. Um, I like, there's one part in that documentary where he, he says something like I'm a man from Alabama for God's sakes or Christ's sakes. And he just is who he is, you know, he doesn't, um, and a lot of, I know like him and Amanda had kind of, or haven't, you know, had a rocky road and we're kind of going through it, but like, he's really good at telling a story and i don't think you can do that if you haven't lived one yourself and Um, and telling a compelling story means being honest and sometimes being honest about yourself and the people that you love is painful right and when you don't have to share that quote unquote uh when no one is saying hey you have to tell me this or you're not going to get paid Right. Choosing to make that part of your art that can feel. I'm sure if you're attached to that or if you're a part of that story, it can feel like some of you is being sold off. Right. I can I can see how that would feel. Um, That said, he's just such a genuine guy. I think that's why he's such a great songwriter, because he just can't he, he can't varnish it. He can't bullshit his way to some half truth. If he can't tell you the whole truth, he's not going to tell you anything. Exactly. And so on this record, and he not only tells them about himself, he can paint a picture of, you know, what, you know, he's telling it, but he puts you right in the middle of a story that might not have to do with him, um, kind of in the same way that Tom Petty used to. Um, So in in my example here is, so he has a song, um, and it was basically about Justin Towns Earl which he was obviously very involved with. And that's, you know, sort of a first person narrative. But then there's also um, a track called King of Oklahoma, um, which is about a guy that gets hurt on the job, gets prescribed opioids, becomes addicted. And then, you know, a couple of verses later, he's plotting to steal copper from the construction site. Um, And it's all. It's a really well-crafted narrative. I mean, it happens. As you said, it's really compact. And it's really well, it's really well done. And that's one of those moments where as a lyricist, you just go, fuck
three, man. Number three is Good Living is Coming for You by Sweeping Promises. Okay, here's another one I don't know anything about. So this one, I another one, you know, judged by a uh, record by the cover. I loved the cover, which I guess is just a test print for a printer. Okay. I don't know. Let me see it again. Oh yeah, so that's that's totally a a redesign of basically four color matchups. So I used to work in a print shop, and so whenever you would see, well, I mean now it's all digital, but it used to be that the way that it worked was that you had four colors when you printed. You had cyan, yellow, blue, and then or black and magenta. Okay, and and so you had those four colors, and those four colors could be mixed to make anything. And so you would do what we call what was called four color process. And the way you did that was you had to match up and make sure that your magenta square was magenta and your cyan square was. So that's what those are. Those are test. Those are test prints that would be off on the margins of a sheet. Okay. And they literally just manipulated those. So that's, uh, that's super sweet. I just went down my graphic design rabbit hole. Sorry. All right. So tell me, tell me about that's this. What I'm here for. It's all about rabbit holes, man. <laughs> Tell me about this Sweeping Promises record. Tell me about this band. Who the hell are they? So this record, I like I said, I the cover caught my attention. And uh, Tracy Wilson, who used to be in Dahlia Seed and has a new record out as well um, with Outer Limits. Um, she runs Courtesy Desk. And she was uh, she had tweeted about this because she for her store. She has a record store. And she was like, it was basically a record store on a pitch. This record is awesome. Well, there's deeper ties, um, which I'll get to in a second. So then now my interest is peaked because she usually, she never misses with the stuff that she recommends. Um, and so I start checking it out and it's, um, you know, there's not, it, it's, it's a little bit post-punk. It's a little bit jazzy. It's a little bit chaotic. Um, you know, they're, the record before this, they made in a place, you know, they were in Boston um, and it was, you know, very, they were in some cramped studio and you can feel it on the record. Uh, this one, they have, they moved um, to Texas and then now they're in Lawrence, Kansas, um, which apparently has a fantastic music scene, believe it or not. I didn't know I, that until I, until not too long ago. College town. It is a college town. And so... Uh, they wound up getting this place um, that has a home studio in it, which they run and I recorded it. And it's a much more expansive sounding record than the other one. And um, it's fantastic. It's uh, a lady named Lyra and a guy named Caulfield, which is the most art rock band ever name ever. Absolutely. Um, and they have been making music. Uh, they met at school. Um, and have been making music for quite a while now. And
they're also just amazingly nice. Um, I interviewed, I had a chance to interview them as well via email and they were in the middle of a tour and like took the time to answer all my questions by email, which, um, you know, I was very grateful for. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, and the record, um, you know, it's me trying to describe it basically like this record shouldn't work. Like there's too many diametric opposing forces. Like there's, you know, a smooth bass line and like a weird squonk of a saxophone. It feels kind of like Romeo Void oh, like, weird. turned up to like 11. Um, but it does. It works just really well. And, so, um, so, okay, I don't want to like put words in your mouth. One of the things that always strikes me is when records like this do work, which is rare, it seems like um, it feels like one of those things where you spend so much time trying to figure out why it isn't a mess, if I'm making sense, because yeah. it's so many different pieces and it's so many different things. Um, and it feels like, I guess the, the, the times that it works it's so bristling with energy and ideas that there is a, there's a carryover between the tracks where you just sort of buy into it and you go, you know what? I get, I get how this is all coming from a place of love. Is that the vibe here? I mean, it sounds like it's that's totally, what you're describing. It is. And it's, it's the other thing is, is that, um, and I saw this in the press and it made perfect sense. And it's fun. It, this isn't, you know, I'm stealing this phrase, but um, she used to be a pastry chef. And as you know, if you cook, if you put just the right things in, it, it's fantastic. If you do too much of one or not enough in the other, it, it doesn't work. And this seems like a record where they have just enough of the right stuff in the right spots. Um, and I wish I would have come up with that first and not seen it. You know, speaking of lyrics or writing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to have been able to mention that. Um, but it is. And, um, you know, I think on YouTube or on a comment somewhere, somebody described them as uh, the B-52s if they'd never saw the sun. Oh, and my God. <laughs> I'm trying and to imagine it, like the B-52s is like the funeral party band instead of just the regular party. Imagine band. the B-52s like maybe their first couple of records at their sort of post punkiest. And then, you know, maybe Romeo Void jumping on stage and it's right. sort of just barely restrained chaos. And that's kind of what you get, except there's only two of them. And then the other thing they do is um, when they're on tour, they try and find local musicians to round out. Uh, oh, group. wow. So they'll find, you know, they'll be in, you know, Milwaukee and they'll find a drummer or, you know, a, another guitarist, or then they'll be in St. Louis and do the same. So um, like, just yeah. a fantastic record, not like anything else on my list. Um, and in this case, that's a good thing. I mean, it's just, it's a great record. Yeah, I mean, all of these are kind of, well, not all of them, but I mean, most of these are kind of out of left field for me. But this one and the, the Treasures of Mexico right now are the two that are like, kind of like, wow, these are, these are shockingly interesting to me. Um, all right, we're getting there, man. What's number two? Number two is, which I don't have a copy of right now, is Yolo Tango's This Stupid World. I love this record. Yes. 
I love this record. I uh, was fortunate enough to see them this summer on this tour. And uh, I just, I like, I wrote a love letter to this band on my Substack this summer. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, uh, I love them so much. Talk to me about, about your relationship with this record, Neil Latango. So this record, so I first, I saw that same tour. I think it was in March that they were up here. Maybe at the end of Oh, March. that's right. You wrote about that. You wrote about yeah. that show. Yeah, that was great. Um, and I wrote probably a very similar love letter to the one you did. Um, this was the show that finally broke my streak of not going to shows. Um, and my wife came and it was a date and it was awesome. And we oh, had yeah. a good vantage point and they played, you know, we're going to talk about the stupid world, but they played stuff from at least... I think I counted at least nine records and probably a similar. I had to go back and look at the set list. And I think at Bells in Kalamazoo was either eight or nine on, on set list FM. It was in that range. It was high single digits. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when I wrote it up, I put nine with like a question mark after it, but, um, and it was also um, titled an evening with Yola Tango, which I was a little worried about. Like, you never know what you're going to get with something two, like that. Two setter. That's what we got. We got two sets. We did. Yeah. Um, but I was a little worried I was going to get there and it was going to maybe be like an acoustic show or I, I well, didn't they really have, know. In the past, they have done the thing where they come out and they do an acoustic set. Then they take a break and they do an electric set. But right. I thought that's what they might do. And honestly, I don't want to say I was disappointed because I really enjoyed the show. But I kind of wish that, that that's kind of what I was hoping for, because it would have been a way for me to kind of get both of the things that I love about that band. You know, right. I could have gotten fake book and stuff like that there in the first set. And then I could have gotten, you know, from Motel 6 and set two. Yes. But it was <laughs> it was cool for the other thing uh, they did. do. They did split it into two sets. Um and I maybe I'm just getting older, but I thought it was kind of cool that they had an intermission. Like oh, it was yeah. weird. I wasn't used to that, but I was like, okay. Um, and then it was great that they kind of played a little bit of everything because my wife didn't really know them at all. Um, and so okay. she got she got like a lot of stuff. So Oh, that's uh, a that's a big catalog with a wide swing of Right. Taste choices to have to sort of parse through. Like there's a lot, there's a lot there. Yes. And she was more a fan of the more popular, less experimental side of Yellow Tango, sure. but, which was cool. Um, and that was fine. Uh, so this record, I think is there, was it their 17th now? 16, 17, something like that. Yeah. I believe it's, yeah. So um, like we were saying with the, the concert, so there's, in my head, there's two Yola Tangos, right? There's the sort of quiet Ira almost whispering into the mic or Georgia. Yeah. Um, and then there's just the full throttle, all gas, no brakes, Yola Tango, where Ira, you know, it's all he can do not to just disintegrate his guitar and he's playing around like one of those inflatable dudes on a used car lot. And, right, yeah. You know, um, and this record doesn't have like super extremes like that it kind of does like a celestine is really gentle um yeah. but it also there's also kind of that third space where they're just really poppy like tom courtney um off electric mm-hmm. era 
or ohm uh, fade um and for me uh fallout uh, yeah. on this record fits that third sort of slot um it was also one of my favorite songs this year it's just bunch of good records they made some that people don't like as much uh they they probably could just put out a quote-unquote yola tango record every couple years and people would buy it mm -hmm. um i don't think this is that record though i think like this stupid world you know i had a few things to say and georgia sings on it too and um it also contains one of my favorite uh versions of of yola tango which is kraut rock yeah yola tango so the opening track sinatra drive breakdown is like this i don't know what is it like nine minutes long or whatever and it's, it's kind yeah. of this it's kind of this loping thing where it's just like this running kind of three note guitar thing right and he just kind of goes up and down this little scale and it's kind of fuzzy and delayed and it just kind of lopes along and does all the same things for a while and he just they keep doing it and it's that minimalism of of like philip glass or terry riley where like they right. keep doing it and it keeps exposing new little stuff and as it changes in tiny ways it seems bigger than it really is and it's just but it but at the same time it's like that plus rock and roll right like it's it's that plus the velvet underground in the right. best way possible and i just oh my god i love this band so fucking much all right what's uh <laughs> what's what's the on repeat record of the year kevin alexander uh, the on-repeat record of the year is Continuous Guest by the New Pornographers. All right. Uh, this is a band I might know a thing or two about. I think you might. So this is not a record that I have listened to much. I'll confess. I listened to I listened to it a couple times when it came out, and I went, oh, it's pretty good. I'll come back to this. And then I just didn't. Uh, so why is it the record of the year? Because uh, I did come back to it, and then I came back to it again, and it just never quite made, like, it would drift off for a while, and maybe I wouldn't listen to it for, like, a month, and then I would get back into it again. Um, it feels like a really good record to play in the winter, too, so maybe that's top mm. of mind for me since it's, you know, 20 degrees here right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, sort of, sort of in this, like we were just talking about the Ola Tango, new pornographers, I think are at a point, you know, they're sort of this, you know, they're not superstars, but they're big at whatever strata they're in. You know, they're, they're sort of a, they're a little cottage industry in the indie rock world. That's a great way to put it. You know, there's sort of this mass produced secret where if you know, you know, and yep, there are a lot of your favorite bands, favorite band. Um, 
this record to me feels really just solid. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's got a gravity to it. It's not, you know, they can make a really ornate song. They can make a really kind of thin pop song. Um, and this one feels like a much more mature iteration of the band. Um, I think, excuse me, really, really light is just the sugary, beautiful pop song. Um, you know, and then they, and then, you know, a couple tracks later, you have Cat and Mouse with the Light, which is sort of a torch song. Um, and, you know, again, with our theme of lyrics, you know, AC Newman, like, he can bend English to his will, you know, and some of the. Yeah, he's a, he's a terrific, he's a terrific wordsmith. He is a terrific wordsmith and it sort of forces you to pay attention. You know, you pick out a line here or there that'll just sort of, that in the song might be kind of a throwaway and it just sort of sticks with you, you know, like, um, like on Cat and Mouse with the Light, um, Nico Case says, um, you're the last of my first mistakes and you can take oh. that as a compliment. And it's like, that's a really good line. It is a good line. And it's one of those where it's like only she could have delivered it, you know, and she's got that beautiful voice and she just delivers it like a haymaker, you know, and it's just like, that's awesome. Okay. wrote most of it during the pandemic and i will be really 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 happy when we can't say that anymore about so many of these records oh god yeah <laughs> um but it really does inform the record i mean continuous guest you know sort of alludes to living online like we all did and, yeah um you know there's you know the continuous guest the chorus talks about and i'm paraphrasing here but it basically he wants to find a place in the plains and some space to fall apart. And it's just like, yeah, I remember how that felt, you know? Um, and so it really resonates and um, it works as a complete, this record works as a complete work. I think, um, you know, some of their other stuff, there's two or three tracks that are fantastic and a couple where you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, and this one part of that is the challenge of having so many different personalities in a band. Yes. You know, um, it's going to be, and I don't mean this in a shitty way at all, but like, it's going to be really difficult to be in a band where the choices that a guy like Dan Behar makes aren't going to stick out a little bit. Right. right. You know, most people don't write songs the way that Dan Behar writes them and they don't sing and present them the way that he does which is part of what makes the songs that he does that work so appealing. Right. But it's a very specific thing and it can at times work against what other people in the band are doing. And I hundred percent. And I think this record, however they managed to do it sort of harnessed that or those sort of competing egos, interests, skill sets, yeah, sort of harness them and had them go all in one direction together, maybe more so 
than they had before. And I love almost every record they put out, but. Um, I, okay. I'll divulge this on my own podcast into you. I'm working on uh new pornos first four right now. Are you really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. uh, I'm kind of in the planning stages at the moment, but I've been doing some, some, some work and some writing and it'll, it'll probably be out sometime in December. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun to kind of go back in and, and dive in. So now I, I'm really fascinated to listen to this record again, after having this conversation with you and after having kind of spent a little more time with the first couple records, because that's kind of where I am in my process. Um, do you have a, do you have like a track that you think kind of typifies the record that we could, that we could share? Yes. And so okay. just, just to kind of bookend this. So the other, my sort of next favorite new pornographer, new pornographer's record is Mass Romantic. So, which is their first one. Yeah. So the title track to that is one of my favorites. And then you have Really, Really Light, which is the opener on this one. They are very, very different. This That's probably my favorite one on here, Really, Really Light. Okay. Um, if Mass Romantic showed them and what they could be, you know, sort of, you know, they came out of the gate fast with that. Um, yeah. Really, Really Light to me shows me like where they've gone. records of 2023 according to my friend and yours kevin alexander of the great substack on repeat please make sure you go over and read kevin's full article it's actually really cool he did this in conjunction with three other substack writers and they all are publishing their top tens and it's really interesting to look at uh, kind of the differences and the similarities and maybe specifically the small number of similarities that exist. And uh, Kevin would tell you that that is uh, maybe something positive to say about 2023, Uh, the diversity of it and the sort of like lack of an overarching like masterpiece that kind of dominated everybody's number one on their lists. Uh, It was a little more um, catch as catch can this year. And, um, I was really, really intrigued by Kevin's list. It was really fun to put this together and listen to the clips and and kind of uh, go through and put the show together. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, slightly more immersive and uh, 
uh, dense uh, and uh, produced version of of what am I making? Uh, as always, please go and join us over on the uh, Substack over at whatamimaking.substack.com. Don't forget that every Friday at suburbsradio.com at noon Eastern time, I have a live radio show that I also will uh, offer replays of the following week on my Substack. Uh, you can also check out all the stuff that's going on with my touring at phonoforrecords.com slash Matthew Carlson and you can go to phonoforrecords.com slash postcards and sign up for the postcard program and you can uh, get some fun mail from me this summer and help support my tour effort uh, thank you again for being here my friends make sure that you like rate and review the pod wherever you find it and uh, make sure you're telling your friends again we're trying to get to 500 free and 50 paid subscribers by the end of December please help us make that happen until next week i will see you over at the blog i am maddie c you are you and i love you i'll see you soon bye-bye another damn fine episode from Matty C and his ADHD.